This is Come and See from St. Andrew's Anglican Church for November 24th, 2013. The Gospel is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. The message is by Father Ron Baird. Today is the Feast of Christ the King. have been in the church very long, you know, that it wasn't that long ago we didn't have a Feast of Christ the King. Um, and actually, it's not very old, even in general terms, not even a hundred-year-old feast. Uh, Pope Pius, um, in 1920, declared the, final, the last Sunday in October to be the Feast of Christ the King, uh, which makes you wonder why we're doing it now, right? Um, Vatican II, in 1962, moved it um, to the last Sunday of the church year, um, which is always immediately before Advent 1. And uh, at that time, the Lutherans and the uh, Anglicans both picked up the feast and included it um, in their calendar as well. So we've really only been doing this for 50 years. It's not been very long. And it's kind of an obvious sort of thing, Christ the King. You know, we sort of look at that and go, well, of course Christ is the King. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I mean, we all know Handel, right? We've heard that. But it really causes us to take a moment before we enter into the season of Advent to begin to look at what does that mean? Because that's really what Advent's about. It's about preparing for the coming of the King. And there are two basic things of that preparing. One has to do with the coming of the Christ child at Christmas. There's the King born incarnate into the world. But also the second coming of the King when he shall come in, in glory to judge the living and the dead. And so on this Sunday, we begin that whole concept of moving towards that kingship and lordship of Jesus Christ. And it's not an easy concept for Americans. We don't really have kings. You know, we don't do kings. You know, as a matter of fact, we used to not even like kings. Um, we kind of think they're cute now because they're harmless. So we have sort of weird fascination with them. But, but back when we had a king... He wasn't harmless at all, and we didn't like him in the least. And so we got rid of him. And so for somebody to be king over someone um, doesn't somehow or other be right, or to lord it over someone doesn't seem right. And yet here we are, we have a feast that says that Christ is the king. Maybe a, a better way to look at it is, is um, who's your boss? You know, in America, we might say, who's your boss? You know, if you've ever been around kids, you know, nephews, nieces, your own kids, whatever, grandkids, who might say, get into an argument. And then one of them says, you're not the boss of me. You know, because they're fighting with each other all the time. You know, and you know, we're very independent like that. And yet, in reality, we all have a boss. At least one. Many of us have more than one. Um, sometimes the boss um, can be somebody in our family. Who can be somebody who just, they rule the roost, as they say. You know, it's interesting to me that women were always sort of considered um, um, oppressed and not in charge. And yet, in that same time period, if you asked a man if he, you know, can you do something on Saturday night? He'd say, wait a minute, let me ask, yeah, check with the boss. Who was the boss? <laughs> so apparently the smart women always knew they were in charge. Um, <laughs> which has probably always been true. And so, who's your boss is really the question that we get asked on this day. And we can have a boss at home. It can be a child, too, who tyrannizes us, you know, until we give in to what they want. It can be a boss at work 
who you know tells us what to do and we're afraid even when we don't want to do it or we don't agree with the things that are being said or or we think there might even be a little iffy that somebody should do that sort of thing um, we do them anyway because after all we do need a paycheck you know and, and we'll get fired if we don't do it you know sometimes the boss is us ourselves I don't think there's many people who, a lot of people like thinking of themselves as their own boss, but I don't think many of us are our own boss. You know, we'd like to be our own boss. Sometimes the boss is the government. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but have you ever noticed that any time the government gives grants to things, that you have to do things in compliance with a grant when you take it? I mean, that's pretty normal. But when we do that, we give them authority over us, too. It's like my dad always said when I was a teenager. He said, you know, as long as I am providing a place for you to live and food for you to eat you know, and, and clothes for you to wear, I control you. And if you don't like that, that's okay. You can move. <laughs> now, it took me a while to figure out his real goal was for me to move. Um, <laughs> he wanted me out. But but he was right, wasn't he? I mean, when when we give away that kind of authority to people, then, then they do have a right to have a say. They're paying for it. They don't have a right to have a say for it. And so sometimes the government can be the boss too. Sometimes the government can be our own emotions. You know, and that's perhaps the scariest boss of all, when we all do what we feel is right. You know, when I think about things I felt were right when I was 20 years old, it's frightening. <laughs> I mean, I think, Obviously, I wasn't thinking very well. And, and the problem with those kind, that kind of boss is those things change over the years, don't they? You know, what may be right in one, in one time period isn't right in the next time period. You know, and so if we're, we're pushed around by our emotions as boss, then we can be in big trouble. And so we have to be careful about who we choose to be our boss. Now, on the Feast of Christ's King, we're reminded that who it is that we claim as Christians is going to be our boss, and that's Jesus. That's really, when we talk about him as Lord, that's really what we're saying. We're saying that Jesus is the boss of me. And every morning when we get up, what we need to do is take a look at the world and say, boss, what do you want me to do today? You know, what do you got in store? What, you know, what, what needs to be done? You know, and yet very rarely do we look at God that way, do we? But the truth is, is that he's the kind of boss that we need. Because he's, he's the boss that actually knows how to get things done. He's the boss who knows how to help us to be more ourselves than, than we could possibly be on our own, or listening to our kids, or listening to our wives, or listening to our employer, or listening especially to our feelings. When I was in seminary, I, I went through this big crisis in my faith in my first year, which I understand is normal now, but it didn't feel very normal when I went through it. And, you know, we're reading the Old Testament and the New Testament. And as I was reading through the Old Testament, and, and I'd never read the, the entire Old Testament before I got to seminary. I know that's kind of strange, but it's one of the odd things about when I went through the process, nobody ever asked me if I prayed and nobody ever asked me if I read the Bible. <laughs> Fortunately, I went to a good seminary, so they did. But, um, but when I got there, you know, I, I went to see one of my professors who was also my spiritual director, and I said, I've got a problem. And he said, well, what's that? And I said, I've been reading this stuff in the Old Testament, and, and this stuff is, some of this stuff is really disturbing. <laughs> I mean, some of it is just far-fetched. You know, I, I, I don't know if I believe this stuff or not. 
And as a matter of fact, one of my classmates and had the same crisis of faith. He ended up dropping out and became a Buddhist. <laughs> For the same reason. The reason why I know that is because he stayed in the seminary. He got a job at the library. Worked in the library. But, but I mean, he, he just said, I can't believe that stuff. And my spiritual director, who's also one of my professors, said to me, when I told him I was having this crisis, he said, that's wonderful. I went, wonderful? What's wonderful about that? I mean, I'm sitting here going, I don't know if I believe the Bible. It doesn't sound very wonderful to me. And he goes, no, you've finally gotten the right question. He said, because the question really is, are you going to put the Bible under your authority? Or are you going to be under the Bible's authority? He said, that's the faith question. Is who gets to be in charge? And so I prayed about that a lot. And I finally decided that I didn't like the idea of me being in charge. That doesn't work out too well in my own life. I didn't really want to do it with the Bible too. And so what I ended up saying was, okay, the Bible is in charge of me. It is true. Now, does that mean that I, I understand everything perfectly? No, I still read things and go, I don't get it. You know, I know it's true, but I don't get it at all. Makes no sense. And you know, I'll give you an example of something I did eventually get uh, as a prelude. I'll tell you, it took me 10 years to figure this out, by the way, um, to show you how dense I am. I w- have you ever read that story where Jesus comes out of Jerusalem and he wants a fig off the fig tree, but it's not in season? It's not fig time yet. And, and so the fig doesn't have any fruit on it. And so he, he points at it and withers it and it dies. And I was thinking, what did the fig tree do? <laughs> it was just doing what it was supposed to do. You know, why would he do that? And it wasn't until, and I struggled with that time of time. I went, okay, Lord, I know it's true. I don't get it, but I know it's true. You know, if you want me to get it, you're going to have to help me. I'm a little dense. You know, show me what the meaning of this is. And one day I was reading an entirely different part of the Bible. I was reading in Jonah. Do you remember at the end of Jonah, after God's, all the people of Nineveh repent? What does Jonah do? And he complains and goes and pouts and he sits down and it's really hot and then he complains about how hot it is. So what does God do? He grows up a, a tree, usually they call it a sunflower, and, and, and it provides him shade. And then God withers the sunflower and it dies. And what does Jonah do? He gripes all the more. And then God says to him, and this is where I finally got the story of Jesus and the fig tree, you complain about a sunflower that will rise up and die. But you didn't care at all about all the people in Nineveh who were dying already. And I realized that Jesus was saying to me that same prophetic message. You're all upset about this poor fig tree. But what about all the people in the world who are dying in their sin, who are broken and have no hope, who see no way to be you know, freed from the bonds of the slavery of the, of the sin that binds them. You know, why are you concerned about a fig tree and not them? And so what Jesus was doing was a prophetic action. It really wasn't about the fig tree. It was about me. And very often, Scripture is like that. You know, there are lots of things we can read in Scripture and just go, whoa. You know, whoa. but we have to decide, am I going to be its authority or will it be mine? And it's that same question. Who is going to be the boss of you? Now, the truth is, is if you want to be your own boss, God will say, fine. You provide your own life. 
And if you can give yourself life, go for it. We're not very good at that. But if you want me to share my life with you, then I get to be in charge. I get to be the boss. And so he calls each one of us to that point where each morning we're called to ask the Lord, what is it you need for me to do today, Lord? What is it that you have in mind for me today, Lord? You know, and on the surface of it, practically you think, well, how am I supposed to do that? I got to go to work. But what happens if when you get to work, the end comes and you've been defying the Lord? That wouldn't be good. And what makes you think that the Lord doesn't want you to do something at your work? You see, we're already second-guessing the boss before we even start. Perhaps what we should really do is open our hearts so that we can hear him and ask him, boss, what do you need from me today? How can I help? How can I help out to reach out to all those people out there who don't know the truth of your love and forgiveness and how much it can change their lives? Just show me those opportunities and tell me how to approach it, and then I'll go do that. Because when we say that, then we can truly claim that Jesus is Lord and not just give it lip service. When we say that, then we truly do recognize him as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Because at that point, he is our king. And it may not always be easy. The things he asks us to do, he doesn't say, nor does your boss at work, by the way, tell you that things are going to ask you to do will be easy. But it will be good. And even if it's hard, even if tribulation comes, even if you know, suffering comes, even if sickness comes, whatever happens to come your way, it won't matter because he will be there with you. And he will get you through it to the other side. Until ultimately that other side will be the kingdom of God itself where there is nothing going on except for the will of God. You know, and if you think about it, that truly is heaven. Because... In all honesty, I like you people, but I want to live in forever with you if you're going to keep on being the people you are. I mean, and if you have any sense, you don't want to live with me if I'm just going to keep on being the people I am. Because we're broken. We need to be made whole. And the beginning of that is submission. Not to a priest, not to another person, not even to ourselves, but to a living God who loves us so much that we give his only son to die on a cross so that we could have eternal life. Amen. You were just listening to Come and See. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Anglican Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to come and see.